This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, now we bring you a discussion on World Economy and G20 Summit. The participants are Skandranjan Tail, former diplomat, and Professor K P Vijayalakshmi from JNU. Simran Sodhi, journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. Today we are discussing the ongoing G20 summit, which is taking place in Japan this year. Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Landed in Japan yesterday, and today he held a number of bilaterals along with various leaders who have assembled in Osaka for the G20 summit. The G20 summit sees the gathering of world leaders to discuss various issues which are facing the world. The Prime Minister earlier in the day today met the U.S. President Donald Trump. He also had a bilateral meeting with the Japanese leader and with the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. He also held an informal meeting with the BRICS leaders. Professor Vijay Lakshmi, when you see the gathering of the world leaders in Osaka, and we see this, this is like the top leaders of the world are in one place, and they're going to discuss various issues which face the world community globally. One, how do you see India's participation at the G20, and more importantly, how do you see this as an opportunity for India to put its own voice globally on many of the issues which we feel are unique to India? I would say the feeling one gets. When you G20 has been in existence since 1999, its role, its vision, and its voice in global affairs from G7 to G20 has become very much a defining voice. But in that voice, India matters. That is the first thing that you can make out. And you say India matters. It matters both in terms of its contribution to the meeting itself, which means its views on various issues, as well as the issues that India defines as important to it. Two ways of looking at these things. So this is very important. India matters. Secondly, the India's—it's not about any more just an opportunity to voice our concerns. It is also about offering our own way of what the world should be like. So, sharing your world view amidst world leaders and powerful and you know important nations, I think, speaks volumes for the way India has crafted a place for itself in this 21st century. It also means that India's foreign policy is now very major source of interest. For almost all of the globe, as you know, we are one of the fastest-growing economy, and India's entire policy making, as well as the great democracy that we represent and that we hold our elections, all of it is just one of those curiosity, fascination kind of thing anymore. It is far more deeper than that. People really care about what India thinks today, and what India wants today. is something that i would agree to you that yes there is an opportunity for us to explain what we really want and what we are willing to do in order to be part of this international system whichever we define international order today whether it is about economic stability geopolitics or if you break it down it will be trade defense security terrorism multilateralism rule based international order which means how do i solve or what dispute settlement mechanism do i want to support wto for example so all of these i think if you see the details that are coming out about what indian prime minister has been saying i think you get the idea that this is not just about just india going and marking its presence it's about making a substantive 
and a tremendous contribution to the way countries and nations can actually discuss with each other before things become just trade wars. You're talking just about crises and wars. You're also talking about how to take the world together forward. And in that, I think uniquely, our Prime Minister has been putting out this message, this India's belief in Vasudeva Kutumbakam. It is now becoming a global watchword. And I think that speaks volumes about both India's contribution, its support for a rule-based order, its belief in economic stability, undergirded by India's own reliance on how it will define, protect and take forward its national interest. Ambassador Tayal, taking forward what Professor Vijayalakshmi has just said, this is also India's opportunity to put forth its views on various things. And we see that one of the most closely followed development at home has been the meeting that the Prime Minister had earlier in the day with the US President Donald Trump. We also see that there has been some kind of friction between India and the US despite the fact that both countries today share a very healthy, a very positive relationship and the details that we have coming out of that bilateral is that both leaders discussed the 5G technology, there was a discussion on defense, there was discussion on trade and we did see President Trump just a day before he had tweeted that the tariffs that India has imposed unacceptable. How do you see this meeting between both the leaders and how do you feel this goes a long way in resolving sometimes frictions or questions that arise because maybe the two leaders haven't been meeting that often? Relations between India and United States are very mature and uh, it is really two adults in the room talking. I think a lot of ground was done and it was very good that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was here just before going to Osaka a couple of days back and they had very detailed discussions with our Foreign Minister S. Shankar where all these issues were thrashed out. There are three or four issues which have been uh, muddying the waters and uh, for instance S-400, that uh, anti-missile system we are buying from Russia. America has reservations, but I think Foreign Minister Jashankar very clearly told Mr. Mike Pompeo that that is not negotiable. We have our own relationships, we have our own history, we have our own interests, and uh, every friend, every other country should also uh, respect that. On trade, there have been many issues and um, President Trump is fixated on trade and the tweet was very little uh, disconcerting just on the eve of the meeting with uh, Prime Minister Modi. But meeting itself today went off very well in a very friendly atmosphere. President Trump very clearly uh, congratulated Prime Minister Modi for his resounding victory in the election. People were there in the, just before the meeting and both the leaders were there. He identified four issues. What will be discussed will be Iran, 5G, bilateral issues and defense relationship. So he did not specifically mention trade. But after the meeting, Foreign Secretary, when he briefed the press, very clearly said that the trade issues will be dealt with separately by the trade representatives of ministries of commerce. So I think the contentious part of this today's summit meeting was taken away and I think that was a very good thought by the two sides. There is so much on defense and 5G, I wonder what happened because there is pressure from China on us that we should not ban 
Huawei technology, whereas there will be pressure from the United States that we do not allow 5G, so that we'll have to handle very, very carefully. Professor Vijayalakshmi, just taking the discussion forward, the discussion between President Trump and Prime Minister Modi today, I wanted you to talk a little about Iran, because Iran is something that India and the US don't exactly share very similar views, even though India has, after the new sanctions on Iran, India has reduced its oil supply from Iran. How do you see Iran as an issue between India and the US and specifically how do you see India handling this because India has also had a very long healthy relationship with Iran so for India it's also a bit of a balancing act that you have a great relationship going with the US but you also have to manage its relationship with Iran. This is a very telling meeting in the sense that it tells you many things. Number one, the implications of all the discussions of these topics. If you notice what the Prime Minister said, he was very clear. He said, we'll discuss Iran, we'll discuss 5G, we'll discuss trade and defense. Trade, he sorted out, as Ambassador was mentioning, that there would be, within a year, they would sort out. The instruction has been given. And this is something I see as a pattern, because I remember during President Obama's visit, it was the Prime Minister and the President who decided how to get out of that Nuclear Liability Act on a time-based formula. So, that formula, and Mike Pompeo hinted that it's only Modi and Trump who can actually get us out of this trade problem. So it was already in the works and things. So the preparatory work done by both sides indicate that Iran may not become a wedge issue between the two countries. We have already accepted that we will not be buying as much oil from them. However, we have also defined that if we want to push our independence or let's say our reliance on Iran is not just on oil, it is our gateway beyond Pakistan and that they understand. On Pakistan, there has been a very clear unequivocal expression of Secretary Pompeo mentioned the word unambiguous 360 degrees change by the United States and this is coming from the Secretary. You are seeing a lot of give and take on Iran and therefore India has done the fine balancing act of explaining that the relationship with Iran is not just on oil, it is very important, for which we have been told and we have been seeing these assurances coming out that look, we will be helping you or providing you with more and more oil. Somehow we will stabilize. We understand you need oil and your energy security. At another forum, Prime Minister mentioned energy security, terrorism, multilateralism, rule-based order, these will be important for India. You know, he's been making these points. So energy security, people understand and I think Mike Pompeo was very clear that he would be sure in India that there will be some way that we will get the, let's say, the deficit or, you know, there will be some help coming forward. So that could perhaps give some leverage in terms of figuring out prices and, you know, adjusting the supplies. Of course, we are moving ahead with Saudi Arabia as well. So we buy from them also. To that extent, I think Iran will not become a wedge issue where somebody will have to arm twist you. You have your own interests. But at the same time, it's also in the interest of India and according to the Prime Minister's tweet after the meeting with the President of United States, he has said we are going to work for a deeper economic and cultural relations with the United States. He has been very clear in terms of saying that we will pursue a deeper strategic partnership. But he has also said there is an invaluable strategic partnership with Saudi Arabia. So I do see that there may be some give and take on Iran and India has kept in mind 
that the stability of Gulf. Now, there's a third aspect to Iran, which is about the regional stability and the role Iran plays, according to the United States, in terms of destabilizing the region with Hezbollah and Houthis, you know, the Yemen conflict and Syria, etc., etc. So, now there is a sense that India has 8 lakh people living there. So, we are very concerned, I think, about our people who have to operate in very turbulent and economically destabilized region would mean a lot of difficulties for us. There is an understanding that India's role or India's positions on these issues are somewhat complex and they are being thought out even as we speak on variety of implications that will impact us directly on people who live there, on the kind of oil supplies that we need to keep growing and developing, managing the geopolitical tensions, and of course, on our own relationship with Iran itself. So, all of these have been, I think, well put out to the extent that there is a wide understanding that India is not only bothered about energy buying oil, it's not transactional problem. Many myriad things involved in our relationship with Iran. So, you're seeing that being put across, which is why you heard the President of the United States comment that we had a very productive and useful meeting. And I'm sure he was briefed by the Secretary on exactly what India needs and what it wants from a certain policy position that they're going to take. So, all this, I think, has been done in a very careful and therefore, as it was mentioned, these are adults talking. Ambassador Tyre, just taking a slightly uh, different, we also saw that the Prime Minister today attended one of the multilaterals, which is a meeting of the Russia, India, China. We have a grouping where we see the Russian President Vladimir Putin, we have the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, we have the Chinese leader Xi Jinping. When you see this grouping, and they have also held a meeting on the sidelines of G20, do you somewhere feel that this is also a counterweight to the influence that the U.S. exerts on the world and on individual nations. How do you see this grouping and its significance today? India is pursuing a multi-directional foreign policy and we are trying to be friends with all the major countries, all the major powers and all the major blocs. Now, Prime Minister Modi had one trilateral, Russia, India, China, China and another which he named as J, Japan, America and India where if you, for any outside observer, it would look at totally different perceptions of the world and ideologies and the worldview that which way the world should go. But India is in both. That is the great strength of India. We are like a bridge. We had non-aligned policy at some point in time. It is multi-aligned now. That should be kept in mind and it is a great thing. We can, our Prime Minister can go to Israel as well as to Palestine. As Professor said, we have very good relations with Iran as well as with the United States. So in that context, but the main point which was mentioned in RIC was the WTO reforms. You know, the whole mm. the pressure is coming from United States, very unilateral actions which they are taking as far as trade is concerned, whether it is against China or against India or even against Canada, etc. Prime Minister has been saying is that we need these institutions, but these institutions need to be reformed whether it is WTO, whether it is UN Security Council and the whole bunch of organizations which is called the world order. Ultimately, when we say that there should be a global order, there should be a rule, everybody should follow the rules, somebody is setting the rules and those multilateral agencies do need reform. I think that point came both with RIC and as well as in the meeting in uh, BRICS. So, that is very important and should be noted. 
Professor Vijayalakshmi, do you feel what some people have pointed out, the fact that the US-China trade feud, it has cast some kind of a shadow on G20. Do you feel that the way US and China constantly doing this to one another, do you feel that it affects an institution or an organization like G20? Well, not directly, but yes, these are two major, biggest economies of the world. So they have a very definite impact on the rest of the world. So there's no denying that. But just to give me a minute on Iran, one of the big takeaways that President Trump seems to have not only joked President Putin that, you know, don't meddle with our elections, ha ha ha, you know, that kind of bonhomie. So it's not very different to be friendly with everyone nowadays. It's the way. That's why, you know, it's all about growing up and smelling the coffee, I think. But uh, importantly, I think the takeaway was that President Trump chored or at least seems to have made some remarks about how they will ensure stability in the region because Prime Minister Modi kept on insisting or insisted that there should be stability and peace. India is a stakeholder in peace in the region. As I mentioned, we have 8 million Indians over there. Very major takeaway in one sense that you want to read into it, whether the Iran Drone Act, which happened and therefore we were expecting war clouds, that's one of the things, takeaway. Now, on China, I think on 5G, the jury is still out. India has only said that uh, we need technology to develop and therefore we are at this point, I don't think we have committed ourselves any which way. But the fact is, uh, U.S. allies have been pressured also to ban Huawei. The real expression of trade war is in actual fights on certain very specific companies or issues, tariffs and deficit sanctions and so on. But Huawei is the 5G leader. And are we going to go with Huawei or not? That may be one of our issues. But I think in terms of the tariff tantrums, I think have been sorted. I mean, you know, they've been told that please work on it, etc. But where China is concerned, 5G rollout, I think the jury is still out. So the impact of US-China trade war clouds, you can say, or trade difficulties, or, you know, it's been so much in the news, is certainly a very strong indicator of how the world markets are going to react. There is no getting away from that. India will be part of that major implication of US-China trade war. But I think in terms of what India wants to do, it is not clear to us whether we are as yet in a position to say no to Huawei because America has already banned it in their security firms and so on. We have not been able to. We haven't even started, I think. We need to go much further. So it will take us a little time. So this pressure is not right now on us. What is at stake for us is both in WTO where we won a couple of cases on local data entry with the United States and of course on with China also we are having a kind of importance of fighting protectionism. So we are balancing, advancing our interests as per our national interest, but at the same time balancing it with the international vision. In other words, I would say that we would be, I think more, I would argue that we have a synchronization now in India's policy of our regional, bilateral and global objectives. That has made big difference to the way we present and negotiate in these very major forums. Ambassador Tail, talking about the fact that the Prime Minister also met the other BRICS leaders at the sidelines of the G20 summit and they had an informal meeting of the BRICS leaders and the PM spoke among the BRICS leaders and the PM pointed out three key challenges and he said terrorism, climate change and global recession. How do you feel 
the world is responding today to the fact that India has been constantly raising the issue of terrorism globally on a global platform. The Prime Minister has been doing it for the last five years now, where we are trying to sensitize the world today to the fact that initially it just used to be India and this was a state-sponsored terrorism from Pakistan. Today, terrorism is acknowledged as a global problem. Do you feel that when the PM speaks at BRICS, it is also sending out a strong message to nations like Pakistan which sponsor terrorism that maybe globally today the world is no longer willing to accept what they are doing? I think this has been a very common and strong thread of all the interactions which Prime Minister has had, not only today in G20 but in the past several years. And this message has gone home. Most of the countries indirectly or indirectly have suffered from terrorism. If there has not been an incident directly in their country, then their nationals have suffered somewhere else. So there is a much more realization and I think as far as India and United States are concerned, we are on the same page. But on BRICS and also on RIC, what the Prime Minister pointed out was that the financing of terrorism needs to be stopped. And I think this was an indirect reference to the Financial Action Task Force and the whole mechanism by which Pakistan has been answerable and they have to account for their own mistakes and correct actions and the FATA will again consider this in October which is about 23-odd members. So pressure has to come from different members. And BRICS mm -hmm. is the platform. Then through bilaterally we have to do it. Russia, India, China. He also said that terrorism is the main menace against the humanity and also it impedes economic interaction. And one or two other things which Prime Minister said, and I think the response would be good, that the International Conference on Terrorism, which India has been advocating, that would be a platform to properly define terrorism and also to plug all the loopholes which are there. And Prime Minister pointed out also the way terrorism is spreading because of internet. Because that is really the major issue, how people are being brainwashed by internet. What happened in Sri Lanka, what we saw, really the whole indoctrination was through internet. So that, how to control internet so that indoctrination does not take place and financial flows. I think that is where more and more international cooperation is required. And Prime Minister made a very strong pitch for that. Professor Vijayalakshmi, if we go back to the two trilaterals, one is Russia, India, China, and the other is Japan, America, India. How do you find, one, you have Russia in one trilateral, the second trilateral has the U.S. And we see, for example, India's defense ties with Russia. And even though in this bilateral today, the purchase of the S-400 missile system from Russia has not really been come up. It is still a point which is an irritant between the India-US relation. How do you see India as it moves along and it is as Ambassador Thayil had pointed out that you know India today has a relationship which is multilateral. We are trying to have good relations with almost everyone. How hard is this going to be and what do you think India needs to do that you can keep this old healthy relationship with Russia, especially in terms of defense going, but you also balance it out with a US-India defense relationship, which is also growing very fast. At some point, they seem not parallel, but at the same time, India is attempting to take them both together. How possible do you think this is for India today? I think one of the things that one gets as we have watched the past four years in particular is that we are able to navigate between various great powers because we have this understanding undergirding our approach, which is 
that I have to synchronize my needs, my concerns bilaterally, regionally and globally or internationally. Unless I synchronize them and harmonize my interests, I'm not going to be in a position to negotiate. So I think that part has been achieved and therefore we are able to negotiate with both of them even if they have differences between each other. One news item in particular I'll mention to you, which says that we may offer to pay in euros to the S-400. I do not know how far this is a story thread which is just appearing, that, you know, that may then avoid the U.S. sanctions. That is number one. What you can do, well, there are ways. The second thing is, we are also directly negotiating with the United States on foundational agreements to deepen our defense ties. Why? Because we have a very large convergence in the India's Act East policy and America's free and open Indo-Pacific strategy. Now, for us, it's a policy. For them, it's a strategy. So, you know, these are semantics. But the first take, you should, in fact, look at it in terms of theoretical postulates. You would say that there is a opportunity for India to actually practice great power relations. And how do you handle great powers? And I think India has learned to do that. And it is moving forward in that paradigm. The second part is in, in terms of addressing differences between the great powers. It has to be your national interest. And as I said, number one is to see whether we can buy something through some other way rather than just say, no, I won't agree with you. I'll do what I want. So you're not an outlier objecting to everything, but you're saying, look, this is what we need. And we have already done this maybe. So you negotiate. You negotiate on, you explain to friends. And that's what Secretary Pompeo seems to have said in his earlier visit, which is so well-timed. If you just see the timing, it's impeccable, Wednesday. So clearly there was, he said, we are friends and there will be differences among friends. We need to sort it out. So this can be a starting point, I think. So therefore, I think it's not difficult for India to explain that we need to buy what we need for our security. I don't think anybody can argue against that point. So therefore, there will be very careful weighing of options. Now, while there are these news items which tell you that the Americans have said we will stop H-1B visas because of tariffs, you know, there was one story. On the defense stories, there was this that interoperability will be affected, which means that, you know, whatever we are giving you is not going to be going forward. No, but then on the other hand, you also see the foundational agreements, LEMOA, SISMOA, and now we are looking at BECA. I think you are seeing a lot of work going on over there. So, how do you then balance all this information? You balance it by saying that while we are interested in preserving a certain basic interest that we are to safeguard and build our defense capacity, which will not be negotiable, at the same time, we are also willing to work with our friends to see how best we can accommodate their own concerns on this matter. So I think given that, we are doing quite well with cats on the side and we are saying we'll do the euro so there may be a way out in that. So where's the problem? But yes, it is the elephant in the room. And everybody thought S-400, S-400, even people who didn't know what S-400 was, we were all thinking it will come up, it will come up. So I think there's a heightened expectation of the role India will play because Turkey was already admonished because, of course, they are allies and part of NATO, I mean. So there is a difference in the relationship. But India is the non-ally who is very important for them. We have got a lot of strategic STA1, so many things, you know, if you look at our defense relationship, it has been very multi-layered, very measured, and it takes time to understand how it has moved step by step. So it cannot be that this deal is going to jeopardize that deal.
Ambassador Tail, we also saw that on the sidelines of the G20 summit, the Prime Minister today held a number of other important bilaterals. He met the German Chancellor, he also had a bilateral with the Japanese leader Shinzo Abe, and he also met the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. How do you see India's reach to nations as diverse as Germany, Japan, Saudi Arabia? And also the fact that India today in a unique position where it enjoys good relations with Saudi Arabia, Germany, Japan and also is trying to maintain a relationship with Iran today. How do you assess these bilaterals in the light of the fact that India's foreign policy today is extending to almost every major nation in a positive fashion? We are a country of 1.3 billion people and we have a very strong developmental agenda. It is very important that there should be peace and security in our region as well as in the world. And in all these endeavors, we require partnership of many countries in different ways. With, Jap- with Germany, we have technology transfer issues. With Japan, ultimately, always there is an issue of rising China and how India and Japan together can, if required, contain China. We are allies whatever way Indo-Pacific goes in the security issues. With Saudi Arabia, we of course have about 3 billion Indians working in Saudi Arabia and for our energy security, it is very important that Saudi Arabia increases production of oil so that there is stability of price of crude because in case supplies are declined from Iran. Then also Saudi Arabia for the first time is investing from their sovereign fund. They have a huge sovereign fund, I think 2-3 trillion dollars in India's economy. So we have diverse requirements, we have very large requirements and I think it is a success of our foreign policy that most of these countries want to engage with India, want to invest in India, they have trust in India, they believe in the goodwill and friendship which people of India have for the peoples of all these countries and our leadership has with all these countries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You were listening to our discussion on World Economy and G20 Summit. The participants were Skandranjan Tail former diplomat, and Professor K.P. Vijayalakshmi from JNU. Simran Sodhi, journalist, initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website, newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsttalks at gmail.com. 